It's one of the biggest football weekends of the year around here. No, I'm not talking about Saints Bucks. We'll save that for Monday. I mean, I may touch on it, but come on. LSU's playing Georgia in the SEC championship game. Tulane is playing UCF in the American Athletic Conference title game. Those are way more important. It's it's high school football semifinal weekend. I might even talk about that. UBN's best bets, my best bets. We got so much more important things to talk about than the Saints. All right, we'll 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 give you a little Saints. But Gordy Rush is coming on. We're gonna have a lot to talk about. It's all coming up on da- on this Friday Datitude coming up next. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends elsewhere, chomping at the bit, waiting for Saturday. Big slate of football, college football, important college football. LSU-Georgia SEC championship game. Tulane, Central Florida, American Athletic Conference championship game. Tulane being played here in New Orleans at Yulman Stadium, all coming up. On Saturday at 3 p.m., you got other big championship games as well. You got the Big Ten, Michigan and Purdue. Wouldn't that be fun? Boilermaker. Drew Brees, Boilermaker. What you got for me, Boilermaker? That would would make things a lot of fun. You got TCU taking on Kansas State in the Big 12 tonight. University of Southern California. Wouldn't that be fun if they lost to Utah? I mean, not that I'm hating on the Trojans or anything. I like chaos. I want some chaos that doesn't involve our teams, of course. Well, I mean, LSU beating Georgia would, would be chaos to some extent. Georgia still be in the, in the playoffs. Playoffs? So let's see what happens. We're going to talk about it this morning. We're going to spend most of our time talking with LSU sideline reporter Gordy Rush. That's coming on in just a few minutes. Some of you may have seen the live version which uh, we normally have Jeff Duncan on on Fridays, but um, we're going to have Gordy on this morning. Dunk is going to come on Monday. We've got a weird schedule coming up here, Datitude-wise. Programming note. Uh, we are going to have, obviously, we have this morning as normal. Monday is obviously a preview show and not a review, so we can save the sad tears for Tuesday. Oh, I don't know. I think the Saints going to win, but that's a whole other story. I'm going to touch on the Saints here in my open in just a minute. Um, also, uh, Tuesday we'll have a review show, and then I'm going to take a little time off. I'm going to, I think, be off next weekend. Um, so there'll be no Friday show next week, and there'll be no Monday show because the Saints are on a bye, and there's no college football to speak of. So we're going to take next weekend off and um, – See what happens. You'll be okay. You'll be okay with that attitude for a weekend. Um, and then we'll be back the following uh, weekend, uh, Friday, with our pick show. Uh, we are going to end this show. Uh, we have moved, in case you haven't noticed, we have moved uh, the Uncle Big Nick section um, to Fridays. We were doing it on Thursdays. 
all season long, making our best bets. We're still going to make our best bets. They're just going to be on Fridays from here on out. So I'm going to have to figure out how we're going to do that next week. We may just take the weekend off is what we may do uh, of our best bets. I'll have to figure that out next week. But as always, I will have my NFL column with all my best bets, which are pretty much the same if you read the column on bet.noah.com. So that'll be coming up. Uncle Big Nick is ill this morning, so I'm just going to be reading his picks on the air with mine. So that will be a short segment at the end of the show. <clears throat> going to get to Gordy in just a minute. But uh, I do want to touch on the Saints for just a minute. As they head into this game against Tampa, I talked about it on Bayou Bets yesterday. Uh, it is a interesting scenario. You know, coming into the season, obviously, all the media, local media pundits, including myself, you know, that over-under of seven and a half wins for the Saints in Vegas, it was hard to see how the Saints couldn't win eight games. I mean, all they had to do was win eight games, and they still can. Um, but all the, all the experts, I think the lowest number I saw out of all the 30, 30-ish people who cover professional and college sports around this area, the lowest number I saw was nine. And I thought they'd win 10. And I thought, I thought 9 or 10. Um, I didn't know if they'd win the division or not because I thought Tampa Bay would be better than they were. But here they are at 4-8. and eight, And it's incredible to say. And you know, all the times we said must win throughout the season. I mean, how many times did I say must win? Four or five? I think they won like one or two of those. So here they are. This is unquestionably a must-win if they are to have any chance. But the fact that they have a chance at 4-8 and eight is insane. I mean, you get one of these kind of division races about once every four, five years maybe. And this one, I mean, would anyone be shocked if 7-10 and 10 won this division? I don't think he can be shocked. I think it kind of depends on what Atlanta does this weekend where they are one-point underdogs to the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. I know a lot of the Sharps like Atlanta. So that worries me a little bit because uh, I told you I like chaos. And the chaos that it could ensue this weekend. Carolina's off. So what if Atlanta loses on Sunday to the Steelers and the Saints win Monday at Tampa Bay? Well, then you got 5-7 and seven Tampa, 5-8 and eight New Orleans, and five and eight Atlanta. I mean, that's, I don't, it's more than possible. It's, I'd say you got to give that a what, 35, 40% chance that happens? I think that's realistic. You know, I've heard all week long, listening to the podcast that I listened to and some of the experts, the same people who thought the Saints were going to go like 11 and six or 12 and five. Oh, the Saints are terrible. They're, you know, what's funny is, as awful as they played, they still have the talent. The talent's not going anywhere. The talent's there, and they're getting as healthy as they've been in a long time. Looks like Pete Werner is going to come back. Looks like, even more importantly, Marshawn Lattimore, the thorn in Mike Evans' side, is going to be back on Monday night. If anything else, just to piss off Mike Evans. That, I mean, I love that matchup. I don't know what it is about those two and why they hate each other so much. But it is fun to watch. 
I mean, you have to be careful because you're going to see, you can easily see 15-yard penalty flags at the worst time. Or maybe the best time if it's Mike Evans doing something stupid. But I don't know that there are that there's a duo, opposing duos, in the NFL that hate each other more than Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans. There probably is, but I don't know of one. And I always look forward to watching that. I mean, let's let's be frank. I mean, the Saints obviously won the first four games of the regular season against Tom Brady of him as a buck and then lost earlier this year because the Saints couldn't figure out how to score. And then Mark Ingram fumbled, and after Mark Ingram fumbled, everything went downhill, and Jameis, well, we know what happened with Jameis. He threw, what, four picks, uh, trying to make something happen, but at least he was trying. At least he wasn't nothing. But we're going to see nothing at quarterback. You just have to hope they can figure out how to do it in other ways. The Saints can't I don't think the Saints can win a shootout. This is a shootout Tampa Bay's gonna win. Saints for the Saints to win it needs to be like a 17-13 kind of game. And I think there's a good chance that's what we see. Um Andy Dalton just I mean we've said it a, a thousand times, I'm not gonna go into that in this show. But uh he doesn't get you killed. He just doesn't do a whole lot of anything. But this may be a game where you don't have to do a whole lot of anything. If the defense plays like I think they're going to play, look, Tampa Bay's offensive line is really battered and bruised. Their best offensive lineman, Tristan Wirfs, isn't playing. He's out for at least three to four weeks. They don't have the center, Ryan Jensen. They're in trouble. Tom Brady's going to get, I, I think, if you want to make a bet on the saints Bucks game, when, when the line comes out on the over-under on sacks, which I'm guessing is going to be like two and a half, take the over. I think Tom Brady's going to get sacked four or five times on, on Monday night. That team is in just as, ba- as bad as you think the Saints are, and especially if you're a casual fan and you only kind of watch the Saints and if there's something better going on, you don't even watch that. If you're just a casual fan, I think the Saints are better than the Bucs. I truly do. They should have beat him in the Week 2 matchup. I mean, it was 3-0 at halftime. The Saints had every opportunity to win that game and just didn't. And I think they're going to have every opportunity to win this game. Whether they do or not, wouldn't it surprise me if they won. Wouldn't surprise me if they lost. I predict them to win. I think they're going to win. Um, it's not part of my best bets. I don't feel that strongly about it. But I certainly think the Saints at plus three and a half. This line started at six. It's three and a half. The people who bet for a living are betting on the Saints. You're not going to get any more value. I don't think it's going to go back. You may have some late money on the Bucks. It's not going to go below three and a half. It might go to four, but I think that would be the max. So we'll see what happens. But uh, again, more talk on that coming up on the Monday show, 9-15 on live on all of our bet.nola.com and nola.com social media stations. And then here, where you always find Datitude, wherever you find your your podcast, just search for Datitude if you haven't already. Um, And we will have that preview show on Monday morning. And then Tuesday, uh, I'm going to have a guest uh, besides the casual fan, Dave DeCorbe. Well, I mean, I guess he is super casual. 
uh, was calling him the common fan, the pissed off fan. Hopefully, he's not. Hopefully, he's not the pissed off fan. Uh, but he'll be on. But I'm, I am going to have a guest on Monday morning. It won't be won't be just me ranting. I don't think. I mean, I, what else can I say? I mean, even it's funny because I was telling Zach Ewing the other day, this show gets more listens when the Saints lose than when they win. I don't understand that. Why do you want to hear me be pissed off? You think it's funny? Or do I just say what you're you're thinking out loud? Maybe that's it. I don't know. But why don't you listen when they win? I mean, you. a lot of you do listen. A lot of you listen every week. But it, I'm, I'm not kidding. It's like double the, the listeners. When the Saints lose, the day after a Saints lost, then the day after a Saints win. It, it's it's kind of funny, actually. But again, more on that coming Monday. I want to get to LSU and Tulane. And uh, also, very quickly, very briefly, I know you don't come on this show to listen about high school football. We've had some different talks about high school throughout the year plus that we've been on the air. Uh, but that's not why you listen to the show. But this is... And I tell this to Gordy in just a moment, but uh, it is my favorite high school football weekend of the year because it is the final high school football weekend in, in Louisiana where teams are playing on their home field uh, and it's outdoors. And it's it's true. If, if you haven't been to a high school football game or you haven't been to one in, in several years, you should go. Those kids put everything out there. And tonight's the best of the best. You're going to have very few games that don't end with a spread of, of single digits. Very few. I mean, there's a reason why they get to the semifinals. That's what this all. That you win tonight, you go to the Dome. And uh, tonight I'll be broadcasting St. Charles against Notre Dame in the Division Three Select semifinals. Um, St. Charles is defending Division Three Select champions. And uh, what a road that they've had. We had Wayne Stein on our program, Coach Wayne Stein on our program last year, and talking about how the Comets overcame all the issues and obstacles that they had after Hurricane Ida. And it's one of the best, if not the best, it is one of the best podcasts of the 122 we've had. By the way, I never introduced myself. I just realized that. This is Datitude. It's a little late now, but I'll still do it. First Datitude of December, episode number 122 for... Friday, December 2nd, 2022. Um, and I, of course, as you know, am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Advocate, the Times Picune, and betanola.com. I, you know, and I, my high school roots just, I, I love it. It's my favorite. It, it'll always be my favorite. High school sports in general are just, they're more fun. I'm not saying kids don't try in college in the NFL, because they do. They, they, they give what they have. You're going to see that uh, Saturday. LSU's going whether to, whether LSU gets the doors blown off of them or whether they shock the world, and the same goes for Tulane. Those kids are going to pour their hearts out on that field. There's no doubt in my mind about that. You can't not predict that. But there's something different about high school football. And the kids, especially those seniors, for... 97.5% of those high school seniors, it's the last time they'll ever put on a football uniform. For many of those that don't play multiple sports, it's the last time they'll put on the uniform of, of any sport. I mean, they may go play softball at City Park or something, but 
It's the last time they're going to put on a, an athletic uniform. A lot of them. And when you see those tears after a game, and I've been, I mean, it, it, it's the tears of happiness and the tears of sadness. They both, they're both in your heart when you cover high school football. You remember them both. You remember the tears of sadness probably a little bit more. But uh, it's something I enjoy being a part of. Again, I thank Varsity Sports Now for allowing me to, to broadcast. And Jim Rapier and I will be together tonight as we have been for most of the past three and a half months. Um, looking forward to it tonight at St. Charles in Laplace. But uh, LSU taking on Georgia. They are 17 and a half point underdogs as well they should be. We don't know the full health report of Jaden Daniels. We have to expect that he's going to be hobbled somewhat. He's going to play. But how much is it going to affect him? Will he make it through the whole game? That's the question. Garrett Nussmeyer comes in. It's a completely different game because he's not that kind of quarterback. It'll be more passing. And you got to think at some point, Elchie's probably going to have to open things up uh, if things go according to plan. We'll get into that with Gordy in just a minute. Uh, Tulane, we don't talk a whole lot about Tulane this morning. It doesn't take anything away from what the Greenway have done and have been able to accomplish. Um, Central Florida, we don't know the like we don't know the full health of Jaden Daniels for LSU. We don't know the full health of John Reese Plumley for Central Florida, and that makes a big difference. So we'll see how it goes. Tulane is a four-point favorite. The Sharps either think Plumley's not playing or they think he will be. Seriously limited. The fact that Central Florida beat Tulane, uh, you know, I don't want to say handily, but they definitely won the game. And for Tulane to be favored in this go-round, says a lot about Plumlee's health status. But I think, I think the Wave have a good chance to win. I'm not sure if they will or not, but what, how much fun would it be for the Green Wave to be able to go to, like, the Cotton Bowl? That would mean a lot for that program in this city. And to hear that Willie Fritz is staying with the Green Wave. Um, I don't know what kind of effect all that news had on this team early in the week. But uh, to see Willie Fritz staying at Tulane and not going to Georgia Tech. And remember, he coached Georgia Southern before he came here. So that would have been a natural fit for him. And they, they play his kind of football there, or they have. So that would be a good fit for him. But he didn't want to leave Tulane, and good for him. Um, I'm not sure that's a major step up anyway. I know it's in the ACC, but, uh, I mean, look, my dad's a Georgia Tech alum. But going to Georgia Tech these days is kind of similar to going to, like, Vanderbilt. I mean, would you leave Tulane to go get, go 2-9 and nine or 3-8 and eight every year or 3-9 and nine or whatever it is? I wouldn't. I don't know. That's a tough decision. But uh, handed to Willie Fritz, and I'm looking forward to seeing. They're going to be on at the same time. Tulane and LSU are both on at 3 o'clock. So if you only have one TV, get your phone ready. You're going to have to watch one of them on your phone. But let's get to Gordy. Uh, we talk, again, we talk about LSU. We do touch on Tulane here. And then after we're done, we're going to get to the best bets of the week. And that's how we'll end it. Today we're going to talk about LSU and Georgia. And I'm pleased to have with me. LSU sideline reporter Gordy Rush and former LSU football tiger Gordy Rush. Gordy, how are you doing this morning? 
Hey, Jim, you've got West Banker, too. West Banker. Oh, that's, that's right. We're both West Banker. No. You, you got to have the pride. Pride of the West Bank, baby. Hey, baby. Where you at? I, I, don't, I don't know what, what kind of show you can have when you have two West Bankers together, but we're going to give it a try this morning. That's right, baby. DiMartino's. <laughs> I mean, we could hit all the hot spots tonight. Does Zinfield still open? Uh, you know what? I don't think so. No, I, mean, I think we put them out of business. Yeah, we did. Um, they, they, had, they had our kind there, and then they said, that's enough. We can't do this anymore. Yeah, uh, you know how that rolls. But uh, you know, you're a Dallas South guy. I'm a Shaw guy. You know, I don't. I don't. I'm still. Whoa, 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 Jesuit, Jesuit, uh, Jesuit, Jesuit. You, Hold I'm sorry. Now. I'm sorry. I'm uh, you. I got you. You and Jordy. I can't get the Jordy Gordy thing. I, I, That's all right. I, no, Holberg went to the Dallas South. We're good. All right, all right, Gordy. Uh, you know, we're 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 talking this morning about LSU. I, look, I, I I am still amazed as we go into this thing. I know that the. the some Tigers fans are disappointed about what happened last week. But when you talk about going into the season, especially after the Florida State game and the disappointing loss that was in the Dome, the, the transformation of this team, and it just goes to show what kind of coach Brian Kelly is, uh, the transformation of this team from where they were in August and early September to now, is it's nothing short of amazing. No, look, he's my SEC coach of the year. And, look, I, you know, I know that Kirby Smart's done a great job and Josh Heupel up at, at Tennessee. But, but when you think about that he had 39 scholarship people, this this program did for the Houston Bowl last year, the Texas right. Bowl, and um, the job that he's done in the transfer portal and, and to put together a team and um, kind of like a Rubik's Cube. I mean, all season long, twisting and turning to, to find out offensively uh, what was the best way, really, to to design an office around Jaden Daniels' skill set? And I think they started with a lot of play-action pocket stuff and with a brand-new offensive line and gradually found out they, they wanted to be a design quarterback run team, a lot of zone reads that forced defenses to back up. And um, they added the short passing game to the receivers and to see them evolve offensively uh, to, to the point that Jaden Daniels was the SEC Offensive Player of the Week against Ole Miss and Alabama. Uh, I think it's been a phenomenal coaching job. And on the other side, Matt House, you know, really did a, a nice job with a whole new secondary. And then really did. probably more importantly, finding a place to put um, uh, Harold Perkins Jr. in at Nickelback. You know, he was the backup to B.J. Ojolari. He's a true freshman that was really limited in his knowledge of the defense. And they found a way to get him on the field. Uh, this has been the one hell of a coaching job to go nine and three and playing for an SEC title today tomorrow. There's no question about it. Jim Derry, along with Gordy Rush here this morning on Friday, we're taking your comments and questions. Uh, you can put them in on the Twitter and the Facebook. Uh, excuse me, not Twitter on the Facebook and the YouTube feeds. If you're on Twitter, you can message me at Jim Derry Jr. I'd be glad to read them on on the air. We'll show your comments on the air if you put them on YouTube and on Facebook. Uh, Gordy, you know I. I wanted to ask you the number one question I have is you've been on the sideline. You've been, you've been as close to the action as anyone. What has been the biggest difference that you've seen from this team from that, just that, that brutal Sunday night in the dome, that brutal finish, I guess, um, from then until now, what has transformed this team? Well, I mean, there've been a couple of things, you know, obviously I think, you know, Brian Kelly got them to buy into his system. I mean, um, the attention to detail is fantastic. And, and I think physically, the way that they practice, Jim, they practice shorter than most teams I've been around, but it's much more intense. 
team periods they run plays back to back to back. Uh, the conditioning that they go through and the attention to detail and taking care of bodies, recovery, lots of bands, yoga, you know, new age stuff. I mean, this is a very, very healthy football team as well, too, and they play very well in the second quarter. I mean, that I think that's some of it. And, and, and you know, I think finally offensively for that Florida game, after really just sputtering offensively before the Florida game, you know, they, they had an all-folks kind of team meeting without any coaches, just to players only. And they started, once they started getting the ball to the wide receivers, neighbors, Booty, um, Brian Thomas Jr., those guys, you know, were, were, are the, it's the best position group probably on the football team. And they were also the most vocal and the leaders in the locker room. And I think once they started feeding those guys, um, you know, th- they got involved, they got excited, and, and the, the team played with a little swagger. And um, so I, those are things that jumped out at me. Um, and, and when that offense exploded for that three-game stretch over Florida, Ole Miss, and Alabama, they were really rolling. And so how do they recapture that rhythm and confidence they had on offense against Georgia tomorrow night. What kind of team uh, is this on, on the sideline during, during a game compared to some of the other ones you've seen? Uh, how would you compare them to the 2019 team? How would you compare them to, you know, Coach Ozeron, Coach Miles' teams? Yeah. Uh, what, what's the biggest difference? Well, I mean, a 2019 team was rare air, right? I mean, yeah, that sort of talent. Uh, you know, I think from a coaching aspect, I, I, you know, he's just really, really disciplined, attention to detail. Not that Miles or Ogeron's teams were not. Um, uh, it, it's just, you know, Brian Kelly could easily be a CEO of a major corporation. Right. He's big on time management, the way that he runs it. And there's a rhyme and reason for everything they do. I mean, when, when after the game, the buses leave on time, right? Uh, I mean, right. You know, they blow a foghorn and I get on the bus, you got five minutes. And so, um, I mean, that's what's different about it. It, 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 uh, you know, has some similarities to the way that Nick Saban kind of ran his program. It's been fun to watch. Is it one of those, if you're not five minutes early, you're late kind of things? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, there were rumors that, you know, there were people booted off the program that that were late to meetings, right? And, And so... Uh, there, you know, he's big on there's a certain way that you do things. You know, our pregame interview, we, we record on Monday after his press conference because he values his time and, and what he wants to do before a football game. I respect that, right? You want That's the way you want to do it. And he gives a great interview. And uh, that's what works. There's a way, a rhyme and reason for everything that he does. Jaden Daniels, um, another guy. You know, you t- he kind of encapsulates the whole LSU team, if you if you if you ask me. You talk about transformation and a guy who just obviously bought into the system, but a, a guy that has improved so much from game one to game twelve. It, it's hard to believe how, how much better he has played throughout the course of the season. Yeah. And and I think once he believed, obviously, um, he was a different kind of player, and he's been fantastic, especially the last seven, eight games. Yeah, you know, he's, um, you, you throw that Arkansas game out, he's really had a good stretch. And, and I think some of it also, Jim, you know, like I said, I think they found out what he does well, right? They want to get him off to a good start throwing the football and get some confidence going. They like to take a shot down the football field. 
um, the design runs. Uh, you know, he's obviously really comfortable doing that a little bit. I think it's interesting is that both Arkansas and Texas A&M, uh, everybody's found a, a way to, to try and defend him. You see a lot of three-man fronts, and, they, and they're putting a spy on him or having the linebackers rotate and key on him. And they're really setting the edge, uh, the wide edge with the nickel and outside linebacker a little bit wider, trying to, by alignment, discourage LSU from running boots and, and designed runs outside and kind of inviting them to run between the tackles. And so um, they had better success against AM than they did against Arkansas. Um, and I expect Georgia to do the same thing. So like, like you know, anything in the SEC, you have incredible coaches. People are going to adapt to what you're doing now. It's, I, I think it's LSU's turn to adapt to what defenses have done to them. Jim Derry along with Gordy Rush here on Data 2 this, this Friday morning. Again, if you're just joining us and you're wondering where Jeff Duncan is, as he is here every Friday morning, we're going to do our Saints preview show on Monday. Uh, this, this game obviously uh, takes precedence. Also, we don't want to forget about Tulane. Tulane playing Central Florida in the American Athletic Conference Championship game. They're playing at the same time. So if yeah. you don't have two TVs, it's going to be tough to, to do, tough to follow. But I, I know uh, New Orleanians and, and South Louisiana people will find a way, as they always do, to, to catch up on what's, what's going on with both. we got a question from Barry. Barry yeah. asked, um, what's the one big thing that the Tigers must do to keep this game close offensively and defensively? Yeah, I mean, for me, offensively, it's, it's Jane Daniels getting him into a rhythm, you know, the, the, and getting him off to a good start. Uh, he got off to a slow start against Tennessee. They got into a hole, and it became a problem. He got off to a good start against Alabama and Ole Miss, and, um, and, and they got rolling. Defensively, to me, it's going to be stop the run, especially after, um, after the Texas A&M game where they ran uh, – A-chain ran for 215 yards. Yeah. Uh, Texas A&M gashed him. Georgia's going to try and run with a better running back. Well, uh, arguable. A-Chain's fantastic. Better offensive line, better quarterback, better people, better football team. They're going to try and do some of the same stuff Texas A&M did. I know it's hard to compare a college quarterback to someone that's going to be in the Hall of Fame in four years, but uh, Stetson Bennett to me, just he, he, he has so many Drew Brees-like qualities. I mean, I th- I don't know what he's going to be in the NFL if he even makes it in the NFL. But to me, watching him, he just has over the past year and a half, he's grown so much. And during that national championship run, he seems to me like he's really grown into his role and yeah. and could really be that kind of quarterback in the in the next level. I think. Yeah, it'd be interesting how he projects at the next level. Um, Todd Monk is the offensive coordinator yeah. there. He he was here for a little bit. Uh, nothing for respect for him. Uh, you know, I think they, he, he understands what they're trying to get done there. Um, they're going to they're a run team, play action pass. They have three tight ends that they throw the football right. through that are among their one top re- A giant. Teams. Yeah, one, six, seven. <laughs> and, and then he's very capable. Uh, you know, he's a good enough athlete to make some plays with his feet. And so I think one of the big things that Georgia was able to do that a lot of programs did not this year was, was, was continuity. Right. I mean, Alabama had to hit the transfer portal. I mean, LSU's here with 16 new people or whatever it was in the, in the transfer portal and playing a lot of true freshmen, four true freshmen playing real big, big roles, starting roles on, on this football team. Georgia, even though Georgia lost 15 people to the NFL draft, didn't take anybody in the transfer portal and really speaks to the continuity. And I think 
that that's why you see an Alabama lead the SEC or, or among the worst, I should say, in most penalties. Then Dinlit Nick Saban for two, three years, right? To understand the Alabama way. All these people have been in the Georgia program and uh, you're able to coach people more than one year and you get that consistency and Bennett's a part of it. You know, you, you have the same coordinator, same guys. Um, they know what you expect out of you. This is the way that we do business and he looks like it. What do you look for? Uh, to me, the, the key is LSU's offensive line. Another area that I mean, you talk about from from day one, from the Florida State game to right. to now is they have improved. Maybe you know even more than Jaden Daniels. I, it's it's, a, it's yeah. amazing how much they've improved. How, to me, the key is the LSU offensive line against that incredible Georgia defensive front, which yeah. to me is the best in the nation. Well, yeah, I mean, you can certainly the, the, that's going to be a challenge. I mean, LSU's got true, two true freshmen a uh, second-year player, a sophomore, an offensive guard, you know, a lot of new people there. Um, and they're going against probably the best defense that they've faced. Uh, but I still go back to Jaden. I mean, getting Jaden in a rhythm, I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it too many times. I've seen him get off the sluggish starts at Auburn, uh, at Mississippi State, against Florida State, against Arkansas. Um, just getting – him in a rhythm, comfortable in moving, and the whole offense goes with him, right? And so, you know, you're never one-dimensional on anyone. And, and so I think getting him established, to me, is the biggest key offensively. We saw Jaden Daniels at the end of the Texas A&M game and towards the end of the game get injured. Uh, yeah. There was talk early in the week of whether he even would even be able to play. We, I mean, I think there's a 98% chance that he's going to. I think he's going to play, right? I, you know, what percentage is he going to be? You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, they they showed the picture yesterday of he and Nussmeyer out there um, taking reps, and you could you could tell his right ankle had tape over the top, and and so, I you know, um, we'll see what percentage he's going to be, but I absolutely believe he's going to play. How much does that change the LSU game plan? Do you think? Obviously, oh. we're not we're not in the room, so we yeah. won't know for sure till we get in there. But just from seeing what you've been saying and uh, you know judging, I mean, if if Jaden Daniels can't run, that's obviously takes a big part of oh, away from his game plan. Yeah, I mean, Nussmeier, he's athletic. He's more of a, a throwing type of guy. But you know, it changes the way. If I'm a defense. Um, I'm going to get. I'm going to go back to what Florida State did. If Nussmeier is a quarterback, you're going to see a lot of bare fronts. A lot of they're going to bring everybody up, and they're going to test that offensive line and bring pressure and, and play man to man and, and make Nussmeier and the offensive line hold up, and Nussmeier beat him from the pocket or, or beat him throwing the football. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about Daniels is um, defensive coordinators got frustrated with. Daniels's ability to make plays with his feet, the 20 and 25 yard runs in which he was able to, to break and whether designed or, or he was able to, to scramble for them, um, which what, what it forced teams to back up and get in, eventually get in the defense that we've talked about, you know, everybody playing an umbrella, keeping the right. ball in front of them. And, and we're going to stay wide and force you inside. We're not going to let Daniels, just get into to running the football and turning this, this into sandlot football and beat us. Got about seven to ten minutes left with Gordy here. If you want to either make a prediction, you're more than welcome to on, in the comment section. We'll we'll show them here. Uh, if you want to, if you got a question or a comment, like Keith Rodriguez is saying, go LSU Tigers. I think uh, 
a lot of us feel feel that way this weekend. Look, you know, I'm 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 an alum. I, I went to LSU. I was in the I know you played football. I was in the Golden Band from Tigerland. So it was uh, fun times back in, in the yeah. mid '80s, mid to late '80s. But uh, you know, it's that doesn't leave you. The purple and gold never leaves you, right, Gordy? No, you know, and that's look, that's a fun part of what you know. I did get a chance to be on the field for those games, and um, be a part of SEC football. And uh, I enjoy that. So, yeah, definitely uh, it, it doesn't leave you and you look forward to this part of the year. It just goes by so quick. Yeah. Summer crawls around here and then you get the football season and boom, look up, it's Christmas. Uh, we're, we're too old to be playing contact sports. But do you ever get the, the urge being on the sideline? Do you ever, the, does the, the, the old days ever come creeping in while you're seeing no. out there? No, I'm done. <laughs> no. I've had too many pulled hamstrings, pulled Pulled through. I'm good. We're good. Walking to the dinner table, right? I mean, look, yeah. Yeah, I, I was playing flag football when I was 41 and tore my calf muscle. And that was a three-month rehab, uh, rehab. And Jack Marucci, who at the time was the LSU trainer, he's still on staff there. Uh, you know, they, all the new technology in their scrape and say, hey, let me give you some advice. Yeah, he said, quit. Just quit. <laughs> quit. I'm tired of standing you. So I took his advice. Yeah, I was playing uh, softball um, regularly, like a fairly competitive yeah. softball. We, we we were a pretty good team, and uh, I started feeling my age. Katrina hit; I was thirty-seven, and um, you know, maybe there if there's any little good thing. I met, I met my wife right after Katrina, and I quit playing any kind of sports after Katrina. I almost uh, I almost tore my knee up uh, sliding in home, but uh, so you know, we didn't play anymore after that. Katrina was that was the end of my athletic. Yeah experience but uh but look we still miss being out there and, and doing anything we can right i mean now we're just spectators yeah no no i think you look not only that and, and then my you know my i have kids um you know my kind of three kids all of them play sports so kind of live through them now all right it's uh time to start looking about you know i'm not going to ask you for a score yeah but uh, but how do you see this game going again you, you talk about right you know there's so many I'm not sure how LSU is going to react after the disappointment last week. I kind of have a feeling they're they're going to react in a positive way. I think in a ways it could be good, but at the same time, this Georgia team to me, when they want to turn it on, mm-hmm. they are by far the best team in the country. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, and and you know, I, you know, I think Michigan is a good football team as well too. You saw I saw that game against Ohio State, at least a replay of it. Um. For me, I think LSU will come to play. Brian and Kelly will have them to play, and it's hard not for the switch to go on when you go play on the road. It's going to be a road game. It'll be 70-30 Georgia. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that the X factor is what what how close to 100% is Daniels, is um, Josh Williams, the tailback, and then uh, Bernard Converse, the cornerback. Uh, he's important because – uh, they have to move Jay Ward, the nickel back, out the corner. And and it had a domino effect on him. I think getting some key people back healthy and Daniels being the most important of it. Um, look, Georgia's whatever they are, 17-point favorite for a reason there. Uh, you know, but Bama was as well, too. And so, you know, LSU's capable of putting together that sort of game against that they did against Alabama. Uh, but it's a tall order. There's no question. It's a, it's a tall order, and Georgia's a very good football team. But we'll see. We'll see how they play the game. I, you know, I think it's it's LSU's got to have that sort of Alabama effort to get there. Do you think that uh, 
obviously beating Alabama gives you a lot of confidence. Do you think yeah. that they come into this game with that same kind of swag? And, yeah, and no, lead? I think so. I mean, look, you know, you're playing a little bit with your 18-point underdog. I mean, you come with a little chip on your shoulder. I think that they're going to be a little ticked off about the performance at Texas A&M. And you got a chance to play for an SEC title, right? You know, for Georgia, they're in there. You want they want to win an SEC title. They're in the they're in the the college football playoff, win or lose. Right. Um, not to, and I, so I, I think with LSU playing a little bit of house money, they ought to have a good approach to it. You know, also Gordy, I think that, and I've I've kind of said this the last six weeks or so, but. The, a lot of these guys that are on this team, they're all going to be here again next year. I, yeah, I, I, I think that playing in this game, no matter what happens, the experience of playing in it can only help them going into next year. You know, it, it's crazy time, obviously, with the transfer portal. But you would think uh, that, that, yes, the majority of the people are going to be back. Uh, and they played a lot of young people. Um, I believe Daniels is going to be back, should come back. Yeah. Um, I, I think he can get stronger, get bigger. Um, a, a year with a second offensive coordinator, something that he has not had really in, in his collegiate career, I think would be beneficial. And if he does come back and then Kelly's able to go help, you know, go get running backs. Right. They need more defensive linemen. They're going to need starting cornerbacks. They're going to lose a lot of those people. And if he's able to supplement a, a good recruiting class with some key additions in the transfer portal, yeah, I mean this LSU team should be top ten next season if the you know the, the people do so. So it is absolutely it's a great experience. And um, Brian Kelly's way ahead of schedule from what Good he question. had. Be, be playing again for an SEC championship against uh, some you know I, I had some nice wins. People don't give them credit for the Mississippi State win. Yeah, Mississippi State's a good football team, right? I mean, uh, and they. They they really did a nice job of beating up on Mississippi State in the second half. This was a this was a nice year for for Brian Kelly. What does all this mean for Walker Howard? Obviously, you know yeah. he's probably chomping at the bit to, to get in there. Uh, he probably didn't. Ex- I mean, he probably obviously expected not to play this year, but uh, you know he's got to he's got to be ready to go. And 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 but sitting on the bench and and watching can only help him. I would imagine. Yeah, there's no question. I you know I think going through it his dad Jamie did. I, I'm not yeah. sure they. I think they were happy, content with coming in and, and redshirting this year. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a good year for, for him to learn. Uh, he, he, if, Dan, if Daniels comes back next year, you know, what I'll tell you is we've seen enough of Jane Daniels' style in this day and age with the dual third quarterback. You're a play from being the guy. I mean, that's a cliche, but, but even more so. I mean, uh, the quarterback today is more at risk of getting knocked out than, than they have been in the past. So, yeah, I, I think Walker Howard's going to have his time, and and he's I think he's going to be a fine quarterback. And and lastly, before I, I want to ask you one quick question that doesn't have to do with LSU, but uh, you know, I I think that if you look at 2019, and it's hard to compare teams, but you look at the 2018 team and how I don't think anyone would have thought in 2018 that Joe Burrow would have turned into what he turned into, and that that entire team, the tr- the transformation of that process. I know this is this sounds crazy, but I think this LSU team, from this whole experience that we talked about, going from 2018 to 2019, I think it could be a similar thing. I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship no. next year, but hey, I mean we've seen strain. If if this team can improve that much in this one year, what can they do in 2023? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, 
Let's go back to, to 20, 2018, you know, I, especially, and I, I've told the story, after the after the open date, um, and you saw, I think, Steve Ensmeyer start putting in some zone read concepts and things that Joe Burrow was more comfortable with. I, I felt like after that year, especially, I, I forget the non-conference game they played before A&M. The A&M was a seven-touchdown game where he tore A&M apart. Right. And he had a great game against Central Florida in the Fiesta Bowl. I, I thought Burrow would be an NFL quarterback. You did? Yeah. I, did he, did I think he, he would be what he is? No. And, you know, of course, he, he got healthy, too. I mean, he had the off-season surgery. He wasn't healthy when he came from Ohio State. And, and then bringing and watching Joe Brady and what they did over the summer, you could see where that program was going. Did I think they were going to run the table and do that? I did not. Um, you know, I'm with you. I, I think that a lot of the pieces are there. Um, if you're able to keep your guys here, which is a little bit different, right? Right, much you know, different. you got to be able to keep your guys here. And, you know, now you can go more than 25. You get your 25 high school kids and go supplement. He, we know he's already low on numbers because he never got up to the uh, the scholarship limit this year. Uh, it's a golden opportunity for them to be really, really good. One guy, everybody, who's going to lose in this conference? You know, I, I mean, for, for who would have – A&M was preseason six, and they're one of two teams in the league that didn't get to a bowl game. Right. Right, and, and uh, you, you know, Hugh Freeze is a hell of a football coach at Auburn. you got Kiff, a difference that, that it is now in the SEC than it was when Ross Miles was here is Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas are all really, really good. I and there's no, there's no easy wins in the SEC West. And so talent-wise, I think they're going to be outstanding. you still got to play the schedule. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I, and I think, you know, I loved what I heard earlier this week. Uh, you know, Brian Kelly was asked about the difference between Notre Dame and, and LSU. And I've been, you and I, I think, both feel the same way about this. It's the in-state recruiting here in, in Louisiana. And he realizes the talent that is here in Louisiana. And right. you've got to get these kids to stay. And the fact that he realizes and talks about it openly is, is a great sign to me because if you can get the, the best kids in Louisiana to stay here, you're going to be good anyway. Yeah, you know, sales is a face-to-face business, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember seeing Bo Pelini when he was a head coach in Nebraska, and the problem was he spent – he and his staff spent so much time in an airplane, right? Even with technology That's where right. it is today, it's just not the same. And to, to have this many prospects arm distance away from you, Right to be able to to have this fertile recruiting place and still be able to have a national brand to go do that, where you know I mean, in South Bend, Indiana, Indiana doesn't have great talent, and I mean you know Chicago is not known for putting out elite people. I mean Ohio is probably the richest state, which is on the other side, and then it's absolute war to get into right. Ohio, right? So yeah, I mean the the. the Look, for him, I get why he came here, right? He wanted to play among the best, get the best players, have the best facilities and all that. No slight to Notre Dame. And, and the recruiting pool is definitely different. You're going to see some of them tonight, University and Dunham. Yeah. Get to some of those kids to stay in Louisiana and wear purple and gold next year. Yeah, you know, um, wow. I mean, I, I hate, and, and look, Jane Osbury is going to Notre Dame. Yes. It breaks my heart. I understand why. Keelan Moses is a sophomore. He, he's very incredible. well might be the best player in the country in two years. Uh, there's no question. After seeing him last week and what he, you know, 
we we had the the pleasure of working together last week yeah. and doing the Newman University game. Sad that it was Arch Manning's last last game, yeah. uh, but at the same time, my eyes were open to to University and and the Cubs are just. I mean, I don't see. Look, I got you. You going to that game? I'm going to the other Division three oh. game. I got St. Charles and Notre Dame tonight. But I gotta be honest. I don't know that anyone can beat this U High team. We'll see. You know, Neil Weiner's done a nice job. No uh, doubt. Over Dunham. Matt House, his son, is the quarterback and and uh, is a dual threat guy. I didn't know that. But, yeah, and he, he transferred in, and uh, it's kind of funny. They they reached out to U High, but U High had Blake Abney, so they they wound up going over to Dunham. He's done an incredible job. They they lost their first game, to They lost to Parkview Baptist. Um, their first game of the season, and they've rolled off, you know, haven't lost since then. Um, yeah, it, look, um, U, U High is a, a unique situation being on that school, and the enrollment is what it is, and I get the enrollment. Uh, but you know, they're playing with different athletes than what Newman was. And, and I think you heard me. I, I, God bless the people. They, people just want to critique the, the Mannings. Uh, Arch Manning is, is everything he's made up to be. 100%. I mean, he's, what, a, what a prospect. He was much more. He was quicker than I thought he was. Much more athletic. Um, every he did everything possible. Really impressed with him. He is as advertised. I look forward to seeing him play. This hopefully not when Texas plays LSU. Yeah, no kidding. You said in, in the beginning of that game too. Like I think it was like two carries in. You said Arch is going to have to be the, the leading rusher for this yeah. team, and and he ended up doing it. It just goes to show. I mean, look, Newman's offensive line couldn't handle U High's defensive front. It is what it is. But uh, I think Art showed that he didn't have time. He realized, and, and Nelson Stewart realized as well, that he was going to have to run, and he did. Yeah. He rushed for 75 or so yards and, and did what he had to do. Yeah, look, I mean, and then the tight end was out. And, yeah, and I, exactly. you know, I had a chance to see him play. but they said top, And one, one of the top receivers was out, too. Yeah, and, you know, and, and so. Um, but high school football is fun, man. And, yeah, you know, it is. You can stick around here and fly up Atlanta Saturday morning. So uh, a lot of big games. Catholic plays John Curtis up here in Baton Rouge. Uh, know both the folks in those programs. So uh, it's a fun time of year. Also, uh, you know, to me, I know the Dome is special, and yeah. it's definitely special for these kids. But for me, my most fun week of the high school football season is week 14 because it's the last – it is the last week of the year where they're playing on a home field and they're playing on the, in these little places. You know, I'm going to Laplace, and there, there's you could probably only see uh, a couple thousand in that little stadium. And to me, that's what high school football is all about. Um, I wish they would play state championship games at Yeoman. I think it would be more of a, of, of a tighter, real high school effect. You could fit everybody that wanted to go. But to me, th- this is the most fun week of high school football. It's the challenge of getting to the Dome. No, no, it's a great weekend. You, you talk about St. Charles, and, and you know, I played for Frank Monica and Wayne, yeah. his son-in-law, and I right. um, always go speak to their quarterback at their quarterback club once a year. But you think about what those people went through in the hurricane, and then for them to finally win a state championship under Wayne last year and beat Lafayette Christian, and they're still rebuilding down there. And, and that includes that campus and that stadium. How special is it for them to have this game on their campus against – you know, Louis Cook and legendary Notre Dame. No doubt about that. You know, I wish I wish there were more games, you know, it wouldn't be just all at the same time. I'd love to see a couple of them. We had Wayne on the, on this show about this time last yeah. year, and he, and he told he told the, the poignant story 
Uh, and Wayne's not a very open guy. I mean, it's it's hard to get him to talk about things sometimes. But, man, he really opened up. And, and anybody who's listening, go back and find that one. I don't remember what number it was. But it was about this time last year. And the story that Wayne Stein told about his team and all over the place and, and having to rebuild their, you know, yeah. Rebuild their homes while they oh, were going to football practice. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, you know, I, I I drove in there last year with all the blue roofs, and um, you, you know, Frank Monica could make it because his house he was waiting on a contractor and and all the above. Um, for them to go through that and and go beat Lafayette Christian, I mean, yeah. Lafayette Christian athletically is on par with what U High has, right? And and some of the people that they put. I mean, it's a tremendous story. It really is. Um, so, but before I let you go, I do. I, I know you follow the world of football. I want to get your thoughts uh, real quick. Tulane UCF in the AAC championship game. Tulane yeah. playing against a team that they lost to a few weeks ago at home. They get him again. We don't know the health of John Reese Plumley for right. for UCF. He, it's kind of the same situation as Jaden Daniels. What do you think about that game? Well, you know, it's always tough to beat people twice. And then, um, you know, John Reese Plumley, uh, John Reese Plumley. We're familiar with in 2019. Yeah. He was a quarterback at Ole Miss. That's right. <laughs> I mean, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, this was a score, I forget, 70 to 60, whatever the hell we're doing. <laughs> I mean, it was 29 degrees, and like, can we just go home? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, look, I, I think the world of Gus Malls on and what he does, but if, if Plumlee's not healthy, that that's a curveball there. And it's so hard to beat somebody twice in a year. And you got to believe with Willie Stain, the momentum, right, is in Tulane's favor. I, my dad played at Tulane. I grew up watching Tulane Roll Wave. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. So you you got Green Wave and Tigers in your family. That that's rare. No, I mean, when we were growing up, it was it was a big deal. No, no. I grew up. Look, I grew up a Tulane fan. Right. I mean, I I, I came to Tiger Stadium pulled for Tulane. So. Well, you had all the colors. You had blue and white. You had green and white. You had purple and gold. I mean, I guess black, black hey, and look, gold and black I and play, gold. It's another big, you know, another thing where I get crapped on this with uh, this week is <laughs> is that you know my freshman year I played at Purdue. Purdue's playing Michigan in the Big Ten. Don't, yeah. Oh man, that would be fun if the Boilermakers could find a way to, to get oh, that man. done. Huh? That would be a lot of fun. Well, what would the committee do? They, they'd be in a world of hurt. I, look, I, I just I hate these these opinion things, and you gotta you gotta. I, I just like when there's chaos and who you who you got. Oh, I do too. I do too, and just to see, it's not fair. Twelve playoffs. Exactly. Just well, you can have you can have eighty. It's like college the college basketball. You have sixty four. Somebody's saying it's not fair. It doesn't matter whether you have two, twelve, or sixty. It doesn't make a difference. Someone's gonna say it's not fair. Yeah, and that's and you know what changes. I mean, you, you come back and ask me about LSU Georgia. I mean, um, you know, I mean, Georgia's an eighteen point favorite, right? And we that's saw right. how LSU played as the ten and a half point favorite last week at, at College Station. I that's hope you're right. reading the, you're reading that line. Michigan double digit point favorite over Purdue. That game up at Indianapolis. We'll see. I think it's going to be a, uh, just a fun weekend, some great championship games, TCU, Kansas State, looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to USC, Utah. That's tonight, so I'm going to have yep. to record it. I know someone's going to tell me what happened, but I'm still going to record it, and I'll watch it later. Right. Gordy Rush, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy tonight. Uh, have a safe trip to Atlanta tomorrow morning, and uh, we can't wait to listen to you on the air. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Glad to get Gordy on for the first time. Um uh, Hope to have him on again soon. I thought he was great. We worked together for the first time, like like you heard in the segment there. Uh, we worked together 
did the Newman U High game last week together. First time I'd even met Gordy Rush. Been listening to him for years. Um, we went to LSU at the same time. Didn't know him then. LSU's a pretty big place. Uh, but uh, glad I got to meet him. Glad I was able to get him on the show. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I agree with just about everything he said. Look, LSU is uh, in a tough spot this week. I don't have them on any card, as you know, if you've been listening to the show. My best bets, I've, been, I've stayed in my lane, and I've been successful with it, um, picking NFL. So I stay out of the NCAA lanes, and uh, it's it's a good thing that I do because, you know, I really listen to Uncle Big Nick. And usually when I do, I do okay. Um, when I just go out on my own, unless unless it's live betting. Live betting is actually a lot easier because it doesn't matter what football you're watching. You kind of get the feel for a game in the matter of really not that long. More times than not, halfway through a first quarter, I can kind of get a good feel for a game. And so I've been successful live betting. But when I put money on a game beforehand, if it's just my own pick, doesn't do that great. Uh, so I stick to stick to what I know. And speaking of that, let's get to the picks. Uh, what I know is that we got back to our winning ways. We had a rough week 11. Uh, we had a rough week 10, even though we, we were on the positive side money-wise. We went two and three. Week 11 was terrible. Went one and three, or one, three, and one. Lost 81 bucks. We, we bet 100 a week, which is what we do, Uncle Big Nick and I. Um, last week was the first week that we had – both a losing record and losing money-wise. And, in fact, week 10 was the first week we had a losing record week. So we got back on the winning train last week. I was 3-2, and two, 137 bucks. Uh, my teaser hit again. My teasers have been great. Got another one this week. And then uh, Uncle Big Nick was also 3-2, and two, but he was basically even. Uh, his two best bets did not come through, but one of them was a parlay. So... He's got another parlay coming up this week. Let's get to him. Again, Uncle Big Nick is under the weather, so I'm going to read his picks. He's got some explanations here. I'm going to go through them fairly quickly. For the season, he is 29, 30, and 1. He is minus 15. I am 38 and 21 on the season. I am plus $243. So if you've been paying attention and laying money on what I tell you to lay money on on Sundays and sometimes Monday, um, you've been winning. So keep on doing it. Let's let's do it together. We're going to start off with Uncle Big Nick's uh, lowest bet, and it's $15 to win 20. He's got the Ohio Bobcats, the money line. Ohio plus 130, 130 over Toledo. He's got $15 to bet 20. He says Toledo is 0-3 against the spread against teams with winning records, and they play no defense like all MAC teams. So he thinks the Bobcats of Ohio are going to win that one outright. $15 late 20 My lowest uh, bet of the week is the Green Bay Packers. Uh, when I bet this, it was minus four. I think it has since going to minus three. I did these spreads thinking that we were going to record yesterday. Um, and when I did that, it was minus four. But now it is minus three. So I'm going to change that in my picks here as we go to that. And I'm doing this live on the air. So I'm going to bet 11 to win 10. Um, it, this line tells me that Justin Fields is playing. The fact that it has dropped 
uh, tells me Justin Fields is playing, but Aaron Rodgers is also playing. And we know that Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. doesn't matter where they play. This game is in Chicago. Uh, doesn't change anything. The fact that Aaron, Rod- uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Jones should have a field day uh, running the football all over the, the Bears. I think this could be a higher scoring game, especially if Fields plays. Does he play the whole game? I just think Green Bay is, look, I don't think they're ready to just phone it in like a lot of people have been talking about all week. I think that they're going to go into this game and be focused, and it's the Bears. They don't want to lose to the Bears. I mean, they're not going to phone it in against the Bears. They may later in the season, but they're not going to finish with four wins. They're going to finish with six or seven wins. They're going to win this game, and I think they're going to win it. They've won uh, seven in a row and 22 out of the last 25. All seven of those that they've won seven in a row, They've won them all by a touchdown or more. They're going to win this one by a touchdown or more. I love that bet. And, in fact, I should have put more than 11 on it, but I'm limited. We limit ourselves to 100 bucks in this show. Oh, there, thereabouts. Not including the juice. you got to pay juice on everything you bet. So that is where we are right now. That is my lowest-rated bet, uh, Green Bay over Chicago minus three. All right, we're going to move on to Uncle Big Nick's next bet. He's got a parlay. We told you about it. And it involves Tulane. Tulane, he he likes the wave this week. And actually, Uncle Big Nick has done very well betting on the green wave this this season. He's got Tulane minus four, and he's got the over. So it's a $20 bet that pays 53 on the parlay. He says 12 of the last 15 UCF road games have gone over. So that's why he likes the over. He says Tulane will run all over this defense and get their revenge from the loss three weeks ago. I don't know if I can... Fully endorse that pick, but again, Uncle Big Nick's the the college football guy. I'm just here. Um, So he likes Tulane minus four in the over 57. I certainly like the over part, but I don't think it's going to go way over like the last game they played. I think it's going to be more like low 60s kind of game. I think it's going to be, I don't know, maybe 33-30, 30-28, something like that. I think it's going to be tight, but we'll see. So that's what Uncle Big Nick likes there. My next pick, the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers. Again, here's another one where the spread is different today than what it was when I picked it, and I don't understand why it keeps changing this way. The Chargers are now getting a point. This started off Chargers minus two, dropped to minus one, and then went to even, and it was at even yesterday. Now I'm getting a point. The, the Raiders are terrible. Someone has to explain They've won two games in a row. Big whoop. The Chargers are a much better team than the, than the Raiders. I get that it's in Las Vegas, but I don't give them much of a home field advantage. And the Chargers are playing for something. They've got a shot at the playoffs, a decent shot. I think the Chargers show up here and they show up big. I think Chargers win by about seven. And if you want to put them in a teaser leg, go for it. Because now it's plus one. That means you'd be getting plus seven in a teaser leg. Just got to find someone to tease them with. Love the L.A. Chargers this week. All right, moving on to Uncle Big Nick's next pick. And he's got, let's see, you know what? His We're going to go, he's got three NFL picks. We're going to go with Cincinnati, the Bengals. He's got the money line against Kansas City. I've got a form of this in my picks, but it's kind of scary to pick the Bengals. Uncle Big Nick says he loves what he saw from Cincinnati versus Tennessee. And uh, excuse that. No, I have my door open here. 
So if you hear some noise going on in the background, uh, I want to get a little air back here. But uh, he says he loves what he saw from Cincinnati versus Tennessee. This is about the time they hit their stride. Well, this is about, okay, this is about the time they hit their stride last year, I was going to say. Jamar Chase is back, and he trusts Cincinnati more than he trusts Kansas City right now. I agree with him. Not enough to take the bet. He's betting 20 to win 23. I agree with what he's saying. I just don't know that I have enough faith that Kansas City isn't about to hit their stride. Last week was a nothing game. They, they showed up and won. This week they know what they have. And not only another reason why I don't like it enough to bet on it is because Kansas City is about to have, they've gone through a gauntlet of a schedule. They've had a, just a brutal schedule and made it through. Right now they're sitting as the number one seed. Kansas City has an easy schedule the rest of the way. So they can focus solely on Cincinnati and know that's all they have to worry about, which is why I'm not going to bet on the game. I do like Cincinnati overall, but here's my pick on the game. And I might as well give it now because it is one of my picks. I'd rather take the over. The over is 53 points. I think they're going to get a ton of points. I think this is going to be one of those KC Buffalo type games. And we've seen the last two times they played, they've scored a lot of points. Both games last year, both in the regular season and in the AFC championship game, ton of points scored. I think you're going to see that here. So I like the over more than I like the game itself. If you chose, if you made me pick a side, I would take Cincinnati, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Kansas City comes out firing on all cylinders because I, I think there's a good chance of that. Okay, moving on. His next, Uncle Big Nick's next pick, his fourth pick, uh, 22 to win 20. He's got his San Francisco 49ers minus four over the Miami Dolphins. He says the pass rush will slow down the Miami offense. Armstead out is huge. Teacher versus student, I'll take Shanahan. Defense wins championships still. I agree with him. Uh, it's not one of my best bets, but I, I think the Niners are going to win that game and win handily. I think the uh, it could be a higher scoring game. Uh, it worries me that, you know, I, I do think that it could be a, a good game for Tyreek Hill and, J- and Jalen Waddell. But uh, I don't trust Tua against that defense. And Miami can't run the ball. They're one-dimensional. And defenses like the Niners, when they play a team that's one-dimensional, they're usually pretty good against them. And that's what they have here. And I, I don't love Jimmy G, but I think Christian McCaffrey's going to be able to run all over the Dolphins as well. Give me the Niners as well. Not my best bets, but it is in Uncle Big Nick's. He's got 22 to win 20. My next game, uh, my fourth game is also 22 to win 20. The Indianapolis Colts plus 10.5 over Dallas. Zach and I disagreed on the Bayou Bet Show yesterday. Uh, I don't think Dallas is all that. I don't think they should be laying 10.5 to anybody. And he thinks that just Saturday fired up segment of this schedule is over. I disagree. I think it's a different team. I don't like Matt Ryan. I don't think this offense is capable of doing a whole lot, but I do think that um, I think they're going to be able to run. I think the Colts will be able to run on Dallas a little bit. I think they're going to take the air out. I also like the under. I'm not making that as part of my best bets. But I think this is a low-scoring game, and I think the Colts hang with Dallas. I even predicted in my column that the Colts would win outright. I'm not suggesting you go bet the money line, but I think it's going to be a lot tighter than people think. It could be one of the upsets of the weekend. I really believe that. So 
Do not t- if, if you haven't turned in your knockout pool pick, I wouldn't take Dallas. I really wouldn't. I know it seems like an easy pick, but it's not going to be easy. I think the Colts are playing better, and they're going to give Dallas all they can handle. I certainly, again, best bet, uh, my, my second-rated best bet for 22 to win 20. Colts plus 10.5 over Dallas. And then finally, best bet of the week for Uncle Big Nick. He's going to the NFL. The Houston Texans. I, you can't make that a best bet. I completely disagree with this pick. I'm not saying that I completely disagree with his theory, and you're, we're going to get to my side of this because I touch on this game. It's part of my Week 13 best bet. But he says Deshaun Watson has got to be rusty. Too much pressure. Houston sucks, but they still are pros, and this is their Super Bowl. I don't deny that. I just don't think they're any good. Um, I'm not telling you to take Cleveland minus 7, but you cannot bet on Houston. So I completely disagree with this pick. And that leads me to my best bet. It's a teaser. Again, we've done really well with teasers this season. We're going to stick with it. I actually, it's a six-and-a-half-point teaser, which means you get six-and-a-half points on both sides. You have to take two teams. You get a six-and-a-half-point benefit on your spread, but you got to lay 130, which means I'm betting $39 to win 30 here. I've got Cleveland. Basically, all they have to do is win the game, minus a half a point. If it ends in a tie, you lose. But... Minus a half a point, and I also have the Baltimore Ravens minus two over Denver. Going back to Cleveland-Houston, I just can't do it. I, I, I'm not, I, I've am not. i been burned by Houston. I don't know why I took them in best bets the last two weeks. They're just a bad football team. And at some point soon, I do agree that this could be their Super Bowl. And But Deshaun Watson at the same time, I don't care if he's rusty or not. They're going to be able to run all – Houston is the by far – by far the worst rushing defense in the NFL. It's not like 31 is like as close to 20 as 32 is the 31. The Texans are going to get run all over in this game. And Kevin Stefanski is smart enough to know, hey, I don't have to have Deshaun Watson throw the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if Deshaun Watson throws 20 passes or fewer. It's going to be a Nick Chubb game. They're going to run the ball. Deshaun Watson's going to run the ball. So I think uh, Cleveland wins the game. Whether they win by seven or not, I'm not 100% sure. I would take them minus seven if I had to. And on the other side, I know Lamar Jackson is banged up. you got to think he's going to play. Denver is just the same thing. This is almost just anti-Denver sentiment. The Broncos, there's inner turmoil going on there. Defensive players are yelling at Russell Wilson, who has stunk to high heaven. What a – man, I know that I was part of it. Man, the Saints – should go out and get Russell Wilson. Good thing they didn't. I don't know what's going on with that dude, but he is not playing well. So that is my top bet of the week. It's a teaser. Cleveland over Houston, minus a half a point. Baltimore over Denver, minus two, $39 to win 30. Those are our best bets for the week. We hope to have Uncle Big Nick back next Friday. Uh, well, again, we're not doing a show next Friday, so I don't know when we're going to have Uncle Big Nick's picks on. Uh, we may have to skip week 14. Uh, which is probably what we're going to end up doing. Uh, but you, as always, you find my NFL picks column every Wednesday. I've moved it from Thursday to Wednesday. Every Wednesday on bet.nola.com. Trying to keep it going, man. It has been quite the role, especially um, we had a couple bad weeks. But other than that, we have been on fire. I mean, oh, I pick every game except for a couple here and there when there's complete uncertainty. I, I'll leave those alone. But not only am I 60, I think I'm just shy of 65% in my best bets, which is phenomenal. Um, but my 
my my against the spread picks on every team, every game, is over fifty four percent, which is right where you want to be. So that's how we're going to try to finish the season, finish strong. And as we go out, we'll remind you Monday preview show live with Jeff Duncan and all the NOLA.com and bet.nola.com social media pages. Also, um, we'll have a review show on Tuesday. And then that Monday show, I'll have my, uh, my Derry's Dime and my monologue. You can, excuse me, on Tuesday, Derry's Dime monologue. That'll be all here. Not sure who the guest is going to be Tuesday. Jeff Duncan Monday will preview it. You can find it where you find Datitude everywhere. And as we go out today, look, nothing taken away from the Green Wave. We are certainly hoping they win. And again, we love what Willie Fritz has done, but... Could you imagine what this would be? What it would be like if LSU was able to? I mean, you can't say it would shock you if they found a way to beat Georgia. It would be surprising, but not a shock. Not the way. Not after they beat Alabama. We just don't know what we're going to get from Jaden Daniels. So as we go out today, we're going to say, "Got to have the eye of the tiger, man. Eye of the tiger. Eye of the tiger. Remember Rocky? Rocky had the eye of the tiger. Well, the LSU Tigers." Have the eye of the tiger. We're going to find out on Saturday. We're going to talk about that with Jeff Duncan. We're going to preview Saints Bucks on Monday. Make sure you come back. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. Weather's supposed to be nice and warm. I think you put the jackets away for the weekend. Little cool snaps over. So go outside, enjoy the weather, enjoy your football, and give your family a hug and a kiss for me. Christmas time's coming up. We'll see you on Monday. Peace and love, my friends. Well,